Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. In this podcast series, I have the opportunity to interview researchers who volunteer their time to research and find the stories of each individual fallen World War II hero. Today, I have the opportunity to be interviewing Kevin Callahan. And Kevin, could you take some time and explain to us uh, what you're working on and a little bit about your backstory? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I recently published a book called Brothers in Arms. Uh, remembering brothers buried side by side in American World War II cemeteries. And uh, so the book is all about brothers who died in World War II and who are buried today uh, side by side uh, in one of the 14 uh, American cemeteries overseas. So I just dealt with, uh, you know, many brothers obviously died in the war. Uh, This book was uh, specifically focused on those who were buried overseas and um, the US Army and government had this policy in general where they would try to bury brothers uh, next to each other. So uh, I got inspired for this project, you know, about 30 years ago, really. Um, It was after college and I was just backpacking through Europe and went to Normandy and visited the cemetery there. And and this is before Saving Private Ryan had come out. And so people weren't, I think, uh, certainly I wasn't that familiar with the cemetery, uh, and it really struck me that experience. And in fact, I, I got a picture there of a Sergeant Francis McNally from New York of, of his gravesite. And, and that photo has hung on my wall ever since. And at the time, it was just really a reminder of, wow, here I am, this kind of carefree college kid, you know, backpacking through Europe. But it's only because of the sacrifice of people like Sergeant McNally that I was able to do that. And I sort of realized this guy was probably about my age at the time he died. And uh, so that experience really struck with me. And then about 10 years ago, uh, I was with my family. Uh, so now I'm married and, and I have three young boys and we're traveling, uh, we happen to be in Italy. And I learned that there are uh, two American cemeteries in Italy. And so I, I make it a goal to go visit uh, both those cemeteries. So we were at the Sicily Rome American Cemetery. And again, very moving experience for me, incredible places to visit, you know, any, I would recommend to any listener, if you ever get a chance to visit any of these cemeteries, uh, they're just extraordinary places uh, to visit. You can spend a day there, uh, really incredible. Uh, But as we were walking through the gravestones, uh, we came across two brothers from Iowa who were buried side by side. And I talked to the cemetery superintendent and he explained that, yeah, they, they had this policy where after the war, they would try to put brothers next to each other. And so here I am now the father of three boys and so suddenly now I'm not putting my shoes, uh, myself in the shoes of those soldiers, but in the shoes of those parents uh, who lost these sons. And so that was sort of the genesis of this project. It really just inspired me to kind of find and tell the stories of all these brothers uh, who were buried side by side overseas. So I've had a chance to read some of your book and it's very well researched, very well written. So how did you go about finding these stories and putting them together? Yeah, so, you know, great question. Um, you know, I really wanted to put a face to the name. Uh, you know, you go to these uh, cemeteries, right? And obviously it's very striking because there's just rows and rows and rows of these marble white burial markers uh, with kind of a name and a death date and a state. And I really wanted to put a face to the name. So I very much wanted this book to be in many ways a photo book. Um, 
And, you know, in the end, we actually, you know, there's over 700 original photographs and artifacts in the book. And uh, that was always my goal. And so I knew to get that type of kind of uh, photographs and archival material, I really needed to track down the families. And so I started just like a lot of stories behind the stars, uh, researchers start, I started online, right? So starting on ancestry.com, uh, using fold, you know, fold.com. And really, I really started in ancestry because I basically built a family tree for every single one of these brothers. Uh, so the full list is about 286 uh, sets of brothers. At the back of the book, we actually have a full list. And as I describe to people, this is meant to be kind of a living project, uh, just like your project. You know, we ended up tracking down, there's about 72 sets of brothers profiled in the book. Uh, but that means we're, there's still 200 other sets of brothers out there that we want to find their stories and tell their stories. Uh, but really, it would start with, with ancestry of kind of putting together, at least getting a picture of, you know, what the family looked like in 1940. And as everyone knows who uses ancestry and does a lot of genealogical research, you know, the, the road sort of somewhat runs dry in 1940, because that's the last year that we have census records available. And so, you know, one thing I discovered, so one thing I discovered that was very helpful was finding obituaries uh, online. And so, you know, I, I would typically have a picture of what the family looked like in 1940. And if I could find somebody who died, say within the last 10 years uh, and found their obituary, that was extremely helpful because obituaries are, you know, they tell you the surviving relatives. And especially if, if people have been married and they have different names. So you get, you know, names of, of sons and daughters and you get locations. And then I just use whitepages.com to start contacting people. And so it was a lot of, you know, in my case, I really wanted to uh, find and meet with the families. And so I ended up uh, tracking down about 70 families uh, went all over the country, went to 35 states. Uh, you know, thank goodness I did all this before COVID, uh, because one thing I discovered early on is that you had to meet with these people in person. Uh, you couldn't just, you know, talk to them over the phone. You know, somebody would be like, oh, I, I would say, can you scan the photos you have? And they'd say, what, you know, what's a scan? Or they might take an iPhone picture. And I, I needed to get high resolution scans for use in a book. And, and really that was the best way uh, to both collect these materials and also interview uh, these people. Because, uh, you know, one thing that comes out certainly in the book is, you know, this was 75 years ago. And, you know, even to me, I, I researched World War II a lot. And sometimes it can seem like, you know, ancient history. But to these people, it's like the war happened yesterday. And um, so you really, you really hear that. And uh, I also recorded a lot of these interviews. And we're now starting to release uh, some of those recordings out there as well. Uh, but that was it was for for me, and it was it was a difficult process uh, at times. It's it's hard to track people down, uh, and people are understandably very paranoid, uh, especially when you're kind of calling older people. Uh, they're like, "What is this? And what is this all about?" And so I know there's a number of people we tried to track, and we really tried to track down all 286 uh, sets. And um, I know there's a lot of people that just didn't respond to us just because they're suspicious and they think this is some sort of scam or something. And and we know that because there's a lot of families we finally contacted and they said, oh, I thought this was some sort of scam. Once they found out what it was about, um, they were thrilled to participate. And um, we got to meet with them and people would bring out shoeboxes and photo albums. And it was just a great experience of collecting those material. And I think a lot of families, you know, ultimately really valued the experience because 
you know, again, one thing you'll, you'll hear from the book is that, you know, people didn't talk about the war and they didn't talk about, you know, these brothers they lost in the war. You know, I interviewed a lot of kind of nieces and nephews of the brothers. So in other words, their parents were surviving siblings of these brothers who died and their parents didn't talk much about it, right? But, but little things would come out over the years that indicated just the loss that, uh, that, that this had on the family. And so for, I think a lot of them, it was, it was uh, valuable to go through this process and to um, participate. Yeah, kind of healing actually for them to, you know, be able to share this story of a loved one that is still mourning their, their life not lived, but share it now with someone to continue that, you know, legacy that they gave. I think that's exactly right. I, I think it was that way. I think it was healing for, for a lot of people who participated. So when I was a little kid, I was uh, six years old, my great grandfather came to live with us and his son was killed in World War II. And um, he came to live with us um, and he actually ended up passing away in our home. But he had a picture of his son in his uh, Navy uniform that was right next to his bedside every day. Uh, and so every day I'd come down, he was just, he was so much fun. I have so many good memories of him, but I would come and I'd snuggle on his bed and he would tell me stories about my uncle that was killed. And I think it was like, I, I mean, I just remember him be, having so much joy connecting with me and doing those things. But I just remember looking back on it, how grateful I was as a little kid that I got to hold space for him to tell those stories. Right. Amazing. And I feel like, yeah. you know, when we contact families, we're holding space for them to share a love that is lost. Right. And it's so healing for them to, you know, have that opportunity to, to express that mourning still so far, like, you know, 70 years ago, but still so fresh, you know, I love that you've taken that time to go meet them. Do you have stories that um, you would like to share with our audience that just something stories really stood out to you that you would love for them to hear about? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they're all interesting. Uh, And really they are just because I think one thing that comes out is just how very different each story is. Uh, And that's really something we just tried to dive into. Uh, You just, you just realize the incredible, um, you know, diverse mix of backgrounds that people came from uh, that fought in this war, you know, from every part of the country, from small towns, big cities, rich and poor, you know, every imaginable kind of, you know, ethnic or racial background you could imagine. Uh, just incredible mix of experiences. And we really try to, you know, treat each one as, as kind of unique. Uh, there's a couple stories in the book that are reasonably well known. Uh, you know, we tell the story of the Nyland brothers uh, from Hanawanda, New York, who were the inspiration for the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, but one thing that comes out a little bit in their story is how, the, you know, the real story of the Nyland brothers is in some ways even more interesting than the movie. Um, so there's, there's similarities, but there's some real just interesting parts of their story. Uh, and we also tell the story of the Roosevelt brothers, uh, sons of President Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, again, their story has been told before, uh, but I actually got to interview uh, Ted Roosevelt IV. Uh, so he's the great grandson of, of Teddy the president. And uh, just incredible to kind of go into this a very famous family, but again, to understand kind of the impact uh, that this had. Uh, and that's that's an unusual one in that, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt had four sons and they all volunteered to serve in World War I. And the youngest one, Quentin, was killed in a plane crash in World War I, actually was buried 
uh, where he fell. Uh, the German army, in fact, was so impressed that the son of a president was like fighting in the front lines that they buried him with full military honors. Uh, and he remained there. And then and then Ted Jr., uh, of course, um, became a general in World War II. Uh, you know, all three surviving brothers again volunteer for World War II. And they're all like in their late 40s or early 50s at this point. Uh, I mean, just incredibly uh, heroic, patriotic family. Uh, and, and they would often volunteer for some of the most dangerous assignments. Um, so Ted Jr. was actually, uh, I think, the only general to land with the troops uh, on the first wave on D-Day. Uh, and he ended up dying a month later of like a heart attack. And so he was buried at Normandy. Uh, and then some years later, they actually moved Quentin uh, from where he had fallen and, and was buried to be buried next to him um, you know, at Normandy. And so there's a couple stories, again, that, are, that have been told before. Uh, we think we kind of tell them in, in new ways, um, and I think they're both interesting. But uh, just a couple other, you know, kind of stories. Um, there's uh, the story of the Trimmer brothers who are, who are from Salem, Ohio. Uh, and I went out there, and again, it's just incredible to meet these families and, and interview them. And I was interviewing uh, Margaret Paxson White, uh, who was actually a, a half-sister of, of the Trimmer brothers. So, so she had a different father. Uh, but same mother. And so, and I asked her, I said, you know, what, what was it like to lose, you know, two brothers or, or in this case, half brothers uh, in the war? And she said, she looked at me very soberly and she said, you know, when you're, when you're all raised by the same single mother, uh, there's no such thing as half anything. And so uh, that s single mother was her, was her mother, Anna Trimmer White. And uh, she had five Trimmer boys uh, and then her husband uh, ended up in a sanitarium and the marriage ended and she was remarried to a man named Carl White uh, and had a, a boy and two, daughter, and, and two daughters. And so, uh, and then he ended up leaving. And so this woman has, you know, eight children by herself uh, in Salem, Ohio. And she's just this incredibly, you know, heroic character. So she, uh, Earl and Stanton were both killed in, in World War II uh, and they're buried side by side today at the Brittany American Cemetery in France. Uh, but she also um, lost another son in the Korean War. So her, her son in the, um, with Carl White was actually named Carl White Jr. And he volunteered for the Korean War, much to her, you know, <laughs> kind of dismay. Uh, and ended up, uh, he was killed in the Korean War. And so, you know, some years later, uh, she was interviewed by a local newspaper and they asked her, you know, what, what was it like to lose, you know, three sons and two wards and, uh, you know, interviewing Margaret and her family, they, they described Anna with one word, which is durable. Uh, she lived to like 98 years old. I mean, she was just an incredible woman. And so when she was asked this question by the newspaper reporter, this, this durable, uh, single mother of eight responded, naturally, I feel deeply that they are gone. But if the sacrifice they have made will keep liberty alive, not only in this country, but in the rest of the world as well, their lives were not wasted. I mean, it's just such a heroic uh, statement from such a brave woman. And again, it's the story of these soldiers, but often we're telling, you know, the story of the families and uh, the impact that it had. Um, so we also tell the story of, of the Preddy brothers uh, who were from uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. And, and George Preddy Jr., uh, you know, he was, he only weighed 125 pounds and he wasn't that tall. And so uh, he tried to, he tried to become a naval aviator and was rejected three times. 
uh, finally, the, the Army Air Forces let him in. And so when he, when he showed up uh, at his, uh, he was assigned to like a new fighter squadron in England. And when the commanding officer saw him, he said, uh, are you sure that skinny little kid can fly? Uh, well, that skinny little kid could fly. Uh, George Preddy Jr. actually went on to become uh, the top rated P-51 Mustang ace uh, in World War II. And, um, you know, he, he had a brother, Will, a younger brother who was also a, a P-51 pilot. Uh, and they were, they were ultimately both killed uh, in accidents. The, the P-51 was just, uh, obviously, people who know uh, World War II aircraft know what an in incredible fighter plane it was. Uh, but it was susceptible to ground fire. Uh, it had a liquid-cooled engine, and so uh, it was susceptible to either even small arms or artillery fire from the ground. And George Preddy was actually killed in friendly fire, uh, and his brother was killed uh, while strafing an airfield in, in Czechoslovakia. But again, I'll just read a quote here from George. Uh, he was actually injured uh, early in the war. He was he was training. Um, in Australia, and he ended up getting in, into an accident and, and was kind of recuperating for uh, a couple months there. And he wrote a letter to a friend uh, named Bobby Dodd and, and kind of explained, you know, why he needed to uh, return to duty. And he said, uh, he wrote in the letter, I must go back, back to do my part, back to fly and give again. And I'm not afraid my plane may be shot away but I have wings, wings not of wood or steel or stuff, but wings God gave my soul. Thank God for wings. Uh, so again, you kind of just hear the incredible uh, courage and bravery uh, that these people had. And, it, you know, it's just really, you know, kind of inspiring. Um, so another story, uh, this one was, was uh, again, uh, certainly a very interesting story. This story actually uh, kind of made national news. Uh, there are two twins named the Peeper twins from, from Creston, Nebraska. And uh, they were identical twins. In fact, uh, they would go to high school dances and they would swap you know, dance partners just for the fun of it. And the partner could not tell the difference. Uh, they claimed that only their mother could, could tell them apart. And so um, they showed up to join uh, the US Navy uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it was real early 43. And so this is just a few months after the famous five Sullivan brothers, uh, had gone down on the same ship, uh, in the Pacific. And so the Navy recruiter was like, uh, you guys can't serve together on the same ship. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to keep, uh, brothers separated at this point. Um, and they said, we insist, we want to, we absolutely want to serve together. We want to be on the same ship. And their dad actually wrote a letter uh, and explained that he gave his consent and approved of it. And in fact, they were allowed to, to serve on, on the same ship and, uh, together. Uh, and that's the thing is there was a, you know, people kind of sometimes ask me about kind of the sole survivor, you know, policy. And it's not really accurate to use anything as a, as a policy as it, as it related to siblings, because uh, even if there was some kind of policy, the reality was there were many different circumstances. And so even in this case, where the Navy is trying to keep brothers off the same ship, if you really wanted to serve together, they needed manpower. Uh, they were going to allow you to do it. And so they were serving together uh, in June 1944, um, you know, on, a, on an LST. 
and kind of ferrying supplies. This is kind of a, a week or two after, after D-Day. And uh, the ship runs into a German sea mine, blows up. Uh, over 200 sailors and soldiers are killed, including the Peeper twins. Um, one of the twins washes ashore and he's buried at Normandy. And the other twin was never found. So he was listed on uh, the walls of the missing. Uh, that is until about uh, three years ago when, I mean, you talk about interesting research, a high school student in uh, Nebraska, Ainsworth, Nebraska, uh, named Vanessa Taylor, uh, was doing a project for National History Day where just like stories behind the stars, she was doing research about uh, people from her home state of Nebraska. And she saw these two names, Peeper, one listed on the walls of the missing and the other uh, actually buried it in Normandy. And she uh, went to the government and requested their personnel records. And when she did that, the government started doing its own digging and they actually discovered that they actually had the remains of the other twin and that they had been discovered by French salvage divers like in the 1960s. And so to make a long story short, they ended up uh, discovering they had those remains. They were actually buried at Ardennes and they removed them from Ardennes. And so in the summer of 2018, uh, the brothers were brought together, you know, side by side uh, at Normandy. Um, and I got to interview some of the family about that experience of, of going to Normandy and, and being part of that experience. And, uh, you know, they, they, the twins had written a letter home uh, just a couple of weeks before they were killed. And it, and it said, you know, don't worry about us. Yeah, you know, we're together. Uh, and thankfully now they're, they're back together, buried side by side at Normandy. Uh, so that's just a flavor of some of these stories. Again, that one was one that was, was kind of broadcast around the world, but it was very interesting to go and sort of dive into it. And, and even I read a lot of the news articles about it and it, a lot of it didn't quite make sense to me. So I think we tried to explain it in the book a little bit more, which I think a lot of, you know, your listeners will appreciate uh, of just how to uh, understand, you know, some of these, in this case, uh, these, these personnel records and what they mean and, and what actually happened and, and how it was that the, these remains were not identified and things like that. So uh, again, that's just a snippet of some of these stories. I could go on for a couple hours, but, <laughs> but um, you know, again, it was a great experience of, of kind of tracking these stories down. And again, uh, the chance to kind of see the photos, you know, of these brothers and even artifacts and letters and telegrams uh, that I think I was very lucky to find an incredible designer uh, by the name of Jerry Takagawa, who did all the design of the book. And I just think it's it's really, I think he's very artistic and the way that he laid this book out with these. And because, I mean, just like talking about like your great grandfather, like that photo, it's treasured by these people. You know, there were some cases where somebody had one photo and that's all they had. Um, and they're, they're treasured materials. And so they're they're kind of giving them to you and you wanna absolutely do the best thing possible with them. So I was very lucky to have a, a really great designer uh, who did the book. Well, um, I'm super excited to finish reading your book and um, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast to your book so that people can purchase it. Um, I'm assuming they can get it on Amazon or anywhere you can buy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's available on Amazon, uh, but people can also, they can buy it on our website, which is called brothersinarmsbook.com. Uh, and if they use coupon code BROTHERS, uh, they get $10 off and free shipping. 
So. Okay, awesome. I'll put both those uh, links in the description so you people can just click on that and and go ahead and look into it because um, I I was reading it this morning in preparation. It was it's very well written, very well. Thank written. Thank you, I appreciate and that. Really impressed with it. I'm kind of a a picky reader, <laughs> so <laughs> I like to read things that are well written. I can't write well, but I like to read well written things. That's very. I I had a very good editor who helped, uh, and but as you know. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to get it to, uh, yeah, people write differently, but I, I tend to kind of get everything down in draft form and then really hack away at it for a long time before you get it to the point where you're pleased with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I did have some good help. I had a very good editor uh, who helped me with that. Well, I'm really um, excited to, as we get more of these names done, you know, when people hopefully in the future, hopefully not too far in the future, when people visit these cemeteries, they'll be able to use their smartphone and use the Stories Behind the Stars app to look at a picture and the gravesite and the story. You know, that's really where yeah. we're working, yeah, really our neat. big goal, you know, and so, you know, we're getting there and we'll get there someday, but, um, you know, these fallen heroes need need a face to go with that name and yeah absolutely yeah no so. it's great it's incredible what you guys are doing and uh i'm excited now to be a part of it so uh helping to add these stories and i'm also i'm very uh you know the one thing about soldiers that are buried overseas you know the american battle monuments commission has a pretty comprehensive database but i don't know if there's really any database on finding brothers uh because the way it worked in world war ii is the families had a choice they could either you know have the have their remains repatriated to the U.S. or kept overseas. And so about 60% chose re repatriation and 40% chose overseas burial. So again, I was just dealing with overseas burials. And so again, my list is about 300 sets of brothers. That probably means there's about 400 sets of brothers who died in World War II who are buried probably somewhere in the United States. Uh, they could be at a national cemetery. They could be at a church cemetery. They could be at a home cemetery. And I'm interested in kind of finding those stories uh, and telling them as well. Uh, and so that's why I'll continue to, to kind of use um, your site and see if I can find more of those uh, brother stories as well. I've actually come across, uh, I think at least 10 stories that I know of from yeah, researchers that I've, that I've heard from them finding brothers um, and telling their stories. Um, there actually is a podcast, uh, I think it's the third or fourth podcast we did with, and he talks about the brothers dying in his brother's arms. And, oh, um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so like it, the story, the, that other brother did end up surviving, but um, they both fought together and, and there was three of them that fought together and one of them killed. But yeah. so I think, you know, I, that's the struggle that big, one of the big struggles we're hitting is the databases because they don't exist. Right. So that's right. one of the things that we are, we have an amazing group of volunteers who are actually helping us build those databases because I mean, Honor States has a really good base, really amazing resource, but it doesn't have specifics. It doesn't even have a place for women. Um, and so we have someone who's focusing on trying to find the women in, in the, that were killed in World yeah. War II. And we have, you know, so getting that database is a huge part of the research project to, to actually get those numbers, nail them down. Because just like you said earlier, like it's so much human error in the recording process during the war that you don't know where they were buried or, or what happened to them. And, and so finding those answers is <laughs> one of the big hurdles that we're trying to get. get oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, that's for sure. 
Well, thank you so much for taking your time with me today and sharing with us. And, and thank you so much for writing this book. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. And I'm so excited to share it with our, with our audience and, and hope to see more from you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tatiana. Really enjoyed being here and, uh, and sharing a little bit about the book with your listeners. Thank you for listening. If you're at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.